I'm reading to you The Raven Throne by Eric Kent Edstrom. Please consider buying a copy of the book to support this podcast. You could also buy the first three books of this series as an ebook box set available on Amazon, Kobo, and Barnes & Noble. Please consider leaving a review wherever you get this podcast. If you have questions or comments, email me at podcast at ericedstrom.com. Chapter 22. Breaker of Bad Bits The servants would never keep this a secret. For one thing, Quinn had never had a don'ts master as a guest before, much less one known to have been caught up in a scandal with a spinster of Paul. Second, her demand to have braziers brought from the gardens into the barn had caused a flurry of activity among the footmen, most of whom had assumed they were off duty for the night. And so they had to hastily dress and hustle about the gardens to heft the heavy stonework posts and bronze bowls into the Atlin barn. Finally, the Atlins, now in the front yard, had started to squawk their complaints, rousing responding cries from Atlins at the next great house over. Only now had things begun to quiet, and the final footman had been kicked out of the barn. Surely the servants would talk, but there was nothing to be done about it. The straw had been swept clear of a large circular area in the middle of the floor. Fallow and Marlowe had placed the various required stones in a shape Marlowe had called the crown. And it did indeed look like a crown, the largest two stones positioned as jewels atop the two prongs thrusting up from the brow. Kyla squatted in the corner, thumbnail between her teeth. She looked haggard in the firelight, which painted everything a reddish-orange and sent wavering shadows to the peaked ceiling. Cold air blew through seams in the siding, making the air crisp. Quinn's breath fogged in the stillness as she stomped her feet and rubbed her hands to stay warm. Somewhere to the east, Quinn's mother was facing a similar arrangement of stones. Quinn struggled to picture it. Her mother had never mentioned having any experience with summoning domain. The cats were nosing around the ring of stones, tails high. While everyone else acted nervous, the cats were merely curious. They were said to be infused with domainic spirits themselves, so maybe the prospect of seeing another domain appealed to them. Quinn was not so sanguine about it. On several occasions, she discovered that she had drawn black. It comforted her to have the blade in hand, though what use it would be against a domain she had no idea. Probably no use. Though the shadline blades were mercasine and stronger and sharper than the mundane weapons of the world, they were not ever discussed as especially powerful against agents of evil. You'll put your eye out if you're not careful, Fallow said, sidling up next to her. He too had his crummy-looking weapon out, but he wasn't putting it through any flourishes. He merely used the tip to pick at the dirt under his thumbnail. When Quinn did not rise to the bait, he pointed his dagger at Kyla. What do you suppose is going through her mind? Nax? And killing the Hargath. Quinn bobbled her dagger and only succeeded in catching it at the last moment before it struck the floor. What else does she ever think about? Single-minded focus was my father's greatest attribute, too, Fellow said, nodding. Unfortunately, he focused his hate on me, but you know what? 
I would much rather be the focus of his ire than hers. Quinn shivered. Kyla looked particularly small and young at the moment, but the girl watched Marlowe with such intensity, Quinn wondered if she was in mental communication with him the way she could talk to Ollie. She doesn't suffer fools, does she? Henley is convinced she's dem kisk. It was the most serious tone she had ever heard from Fallow, and indeed his face was drawn tight, eyes troubled. He looked less monstrous in this light, more exotic, like a painting of a storybook trickster. Her willingness to deal with Domain is not a good sign, Fallow said. I understand why she's doing it. I would do anything to retrieve Miss Lardfuzz over there if somebody stole her. But I'm not rumored to be the destroyer of the world. A little Domainic dabbling on my part is merely stupid. But her doing it? This conversation was doing nothing to ease Quinn's growing apprehension. She decided to change the subject. My mother wants me to go to the garden. I told her I can't. My oath to the Shadlines takes precedence over all other responsibilities. But maybe it isn't such a bad thing Mother has negotiated this permission with the Hargath. She looked pointedly at Kyla. Fallow clicked his tongue and grinned. Ah, you think she should go in your place? Like Lena for Nancy. Hate to be the breaker of bad bits, but Kyla looks nothing like you. She's blonde, too young, and... He eyed Quinn's bosom. A bit too boyish. Quinn looked away to hide the redness in her cheeks. Irrelevant. Nobody at the garden knows my appearance. And you think Kyla will simply agree to sail off to the garden under your name? If she were caught posing as a lady, which is preposterous on the face of it, she would be dragged to the citadel and thrown from the highest window. That was a problem. Solvable, Quinn thought. Henley and Ragen will be there. They could guide her through some basic etiquette. Besides, the garden would be a place of solace for her. I thought you were supposed to drag her before the cloak and force the O's from her. True, but once Kyla had sworn her O's, Quinn believed the cloak would see the wisdom of getting Kyla out of the city. The biggest obstacle will be convincing her to go. She may need to be compelled. You're suggesting we tie her up and throw her aboard a packet ship? That won't end well for any of us. He had a fair point, but Quinn believed she also had good points, and if her mother believed Quinn was at the garden, then Quinn could disappear on Shadline missions without her mother ever knowing. The scheme was a bit selfish, but it was also in Kyla's best interests. Marlowe finished whatever he was doing. He'd spent the last quarter of an hour walking from stone to stone, placing his hand on them and muttering to himself. Despite Kyla's verbal prods, he would not be hastened in this aspect of the ritual. Probably good to be careful in matters like this. Marlow rubbed his hands together. It is time for the summoning. Kyla straightened and hefted her backpack of dragon scales. What happens if both you and your sister are doing this at the same time? One of us will fail. That's it? Nothing happens? If we're lucky... He closed his eyes and removed a ring from his finger. After a deep breath, he said, Do not interrupt me. I have to do this from memory. Do not enter the circle. He began to chant in a language Quinn recognized as of the ancients. She had never taken to it, 
as the consonants all rubbed together in her ears like dissonant notes on a nickel harpa. Marlowe spoke the syllables with ease. Kyla watched, brows low over her eyes. There was no fear there, just determination, and more chilling to Quinn, rage. <laughs>